0: Hi everyone, I'm Jessica. And I'm Morgan. You are listening to Suspicion. Suspicion. On October 15th, 2008, when newlyweds Sergeant Jan Piacek, a 24 year old sergeant in the Marine Corps, and Kiana Jenkins Piacek, an infant care counselor, failed to report to their respective jobs, police were called to do a welfare check at their Riverside, California home. When the police entered the home, they found Kiana deceased with her hands bound behind her back and duct tape over her eyes. She had been shot twice in the head. They found Jan deceased, hog-tied, with a sock duct taped into his mouth. He had also been shot twice in the head. As detectives surveyed the scene, they found Kiana had been sexually assaulted, and Jan had been stomped on so hard, there were visible footprints on his torso and back. Oof. There was gasoline and alcohol splattered all over the house in anticipation of starting a fire to cover up
1: any evidence. Real quick, why didn't they start a fire?
0: They they did. Oh, they did? So, when I saw some of the crime scene photos, and there were small fires started, but they didn't... Catch on the whole oh, house. okay. So there was some burnt debris everywhere, but nothing that started a household fire destroyed any evidence really.
1: That's lucky because then they got evidence. Yeah, yeah. And
0: evidence is key in this crime, which exactly. should be in all, but to that point. The police were able to find evidence that would be key in solving the crime, like finding three distinct footprints leading to the realization that there were multiple killers. The police also noticed that lots of things were stolen from Jan and Kiana's house, including Kiana's wedding and engagement rings, her debit card, more jewelry, and Jan's dress blue uniform.
1: And the dress blues, that really hurt when I read that, because having your dress blues in the military is a huge deal. And these are kind of almost sacred uniform. So for somebody to kill this couple steal wedding rings, engagement rings, money, and then on top of that, take something that's so unique. Yes,
0: and not valuable.
1: It's not valuable. Exactly.
0: And I read Jan's mother was really upset that she wasn't able to bury her son oh, in his dress blues. Oh. So just from that, you kind of feel a little bit of something's off than a typical robbery. Yes. Assisting NCIS Special Agents, and for anyone who doesn't know, NCIS stands for Naval Criminal Investigative Service. So NCIS Special Agents noticed that what wasn't missing was Jan's sea bag a duffel bag filled with military gear. And they noticed when looking at crime scene photos that that was left in their closet. The special agent noted that the only people who wouldn't take military gear as they were burglarizing a home would be someone who already had military gear.
1: Why would somebody take military gear? Is it valuable?
0: I'm sure it's valuable. Some of Dev's friends do Airsoft, and they some of the military-level gear cost mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. Oh, okay. So that definitely is worth a good amount. This led NCIS to f- feel that a... Marine committed this crime.
1: And even if I had not researched it already, from the start, it kind of feels like it was somebody with a lot of training, rather military or police training, because the way that they were tied up, they were shot twice in the head. Also, the fact that Jan was a sergeant in the military, so it would have to be somebody pretty tactical and big to take him down. To overpower him. To overpower him. The Riverside Sheriff's Department were coming to this conclusion as well, along with the NCIS. At around 3.30 a.m. on the morning of the murders, Kiana's debit card was used at a bank in Fallbrook, California, right outside of Camp Pendleton, where Jan had been stationed. The ATM footage showed one of the suspected killers withdrawing hundreds of dollars from Kiana's account. However, the perpetrator was disguised with a blue bandana over their face and a gloved hand that had the words mechanics, M-E-C-H-A-N-I-X, written on the back. At this point, detectives started narrowing in on all of the Marines who had worked with Jan at Camp Pendleton. Jan was known as a tough disciplinarian, especially on new recruits, which the detectives believed may have been a motive. And this idea of Jan being a tough disciplinarian, when I read that, because it, it's pretty prevalent in a lot of the articles talking about this case, isn't everybody in the military pretty tough and disciplinarian? I wonder what kind of set him apart where he would be pointed to as, oh, this guy, he's a tough disciplinarian. I
0: don't know exactly. I didn't see any examples given exactly. that no, I could neither. see, but I know one of his friends said, you know, he was a strict disciplinarian that could have rubbed people in the wrong way. Okay. So that was coming from his friend. So it seems like he probably was a little tougher than other sergeants. Yeah. But you're in the military. Yeah, but you're in
1: the military. so Things are
0: expected to be done in a specific way. uh Uh-huh. You probably know a little bit of what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: One of Jan's friends also informed the detectives that Jan could not keep secrets and had told many people that he had just received a $30,000 bonus and spoke of keeping the money around his house. Friends of Jan who worked with him on the base uh, pointed de- detectives in the direction of Lance Corporal Tyrone Miller, who apparently was known to have hated Jan. And he commented after the murders that he was sad Kiana died, but whatever about Jan. Detectives then found out that Miller had been shot close to where the murders occurred the night prior to Jan and Kiana's funeral, leading them to believe that rumors that he was affiliated with gangs or criminal activity were true.
0: And Keep in mind, Jan and Kiana's funeral was held nine days after they were murdered. So basically within the week, he was shot.
1: Yeah. so mm-hmm. Definitely
0: feels like something weird is going on there.
1: Miller was interviewed, and he denied knowing anything about the murders. He claimed that Jan was his mentor, and while sometimes he was harsh on them, Jan was helping him get better at his job, and he claimed that the night of the murders, he was home with his wife and two kids. As the detectives keep interrogating him, his story begins to shift. Miller mentions that he may have been driving in the area of Jan and Kiana's house the night of the murders on the way to get drinks with his friends, and he says that this was his route to go get drinks with his friends. He also mentioned that when he goes out with his friends, they wear blue bandanas and he also wears shoes, Air Force Ones, whose prints were found at the scene.
0: See, at the beginning, we talked about these people probably, you know, seem like they might be well organized They're mm-hmm. or trying to destroy evidence. They, you know, overpowered Jan and everything. But to mentioned two of the things <laughs> linking the murderers to the crime just casually?
1: Uh-huh. Uh, what? Like, that's not th- thought through. And also, they're very specific things. It's not like, oh, I was wearing Nike shoes. I mean, everybody's got a pair of Nike shoes. But you're saying I'm wearing Air Force Ones, and then also, I'm not, we don't wear bandanas, but we wear blue bandanas? That's super specific to the crime. It's very specific to the crime. Yes. And Jess, you're going to go on and talk about um, more evidence that they they come up with. And I just want to say before you get to what they found that it is, it's just bananas. Not the brightest bulbs. No. So
0: the police let Miller go while they quickly obtain a search warrant for his home. Police were spotted as they start knocking on Miller's door. And after no response, they rammed the door down. And they find Miller using his toddler as a human shield as he tries to walk to the back bedroom.
1: I mean, come on. Come on. That's sick. That is absolutely deranged. Can you imagine the fear of that poor... That poor kid. Toddler? First, there's these strange people Busting into your door. And then your dad picks you up?
0: And uses you as a human shield? So the police are yelling at him, get down, get down, put your child down. And one of the detectives said, in all their time dealing with criminals, they had never seen someone use their child as a shield like that. The poor detectives, the poor children. I know. I can't imagine being in that situation being a child. Mm -mm. So Miller finally puts his child down. They sit him and his wife on the couch and they start searching. The police almost immediately found Kiana's debit card on his table.
1: On the table in front of where he and his wife are sitting.
0: They find missing jewelry from Kiana and Jan's home. They find matching shell casings to those from the scene in a plastic bag. So at the scene, they realized that there were no shell casings left. So they thought either someone picked them up or they used a revolver. And then they find the missing shell casings in his home in a plastic bag.
1: Throw that out.
0: And finally, they find Jan's dress blue uniform hanging in the closet. They also found blue bandanas, sneakers that matched prints at the scene, and the mechanic's gloves seen in the ATM footage.
1: And one thing, again, going back to all of this evidence that they found in his home, he had been interrogated by police officers hours earlier. So he had the time, and thankfully he didn't do this because of course we want justice for this couple, but he did have the time to take all of these things and throw them out or get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And he probably thought, oh, they have nothing on me, They're going to let me go. I'm fine. He's cocky.
0: Very. Because the reason I say cocky rather than dumb or naive, Mm -hmm. the, the thing that makes me feel that way is that they also found tons of jewelry and other ID cards and stuff that made them believe that he had committed other burglaries and crimes before this.
1: Oh, so he was burglarizing Many different homes allegedly. Allegedly, oh, so we see this a lot actually. Where, um, killers or burglarizers or other crimes, if you commit a few and you get away with it, your confidence rises, right? Yeah, so I think and you feel untouchable. It makes me feel that that's the case with him. Yeah, I think you're exactly
0: right. With all this evidence, the police question Miller again, this time. Miller describes going to Jan's home to commit the robbery and beating the, I don't swear, so we'll say S-H-I-T, out of Jan. Which, does he feel like that's an okay thing to be doing or admitting to?
1: Or Mm -hmm. that's horrifying. Especially if you get to this point, If he did just go to Ian's home to commit a robbery and then also beat him up, that's your superior. So if you're caught doing that in the military, that's going to have a lot of consequences. Well, this makes me think that
0: from the beginning they had no intention of getting caught. Yes. Meaning they were not leaving witnesses. Exactly. And we can discuss this. As we get into the case and
1: mm-hmm. but, the but trial. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: Miller also described planting evidence at the home to make the crimes look racially motivated. So they had spray painted, I believe it was spray paint, and um, word lover in different areas. I'll point out at this point that this was a uh, biracial couple. hmm Miller also implicated three other Marines in the crime at this time. Lance Corporal Emris John, Private Kevin Cox, and Private Keyshawn Sykes, also known as Psycho. We'll just if, leave it. Let's just leave it with that he was your nickname. also known as Psycho. All of these men were brought in for questioning, and while they all initially denied being involved, they eventually copped to some involvement and everyone points the finger at John for being the actual shooter. Investigators searched the residences and cars of these additional three men and found physical evidence linking all of them to the crime.
1: So what actually happened? And again, this is from evidence found at the scene and also from piecing together the four stories. The four Marines went to Jan and Kiana's home in the early morning of October 15th wearing gloves and bandanas to disguise themselves and carrying loaded weapons. At first they were trying to sneak in to the home but they were unable to so they sent Cox to the door anticipating that Jan would open the door for a fellow Marine. This part That really makes me upset because I never open my door if somebody uh, rings the doorbell. I always peek through the windows first, see who it is, and if it's somebody I don't recognize, I pretend I'm not there. Right. But if I saw a police officer, someone in an army uniform, I would answer the door. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's somebody that he knows, too. Right, and they
0: said that Jan, uh, some of his friends said that Jan was known for being tight with security.
1: Oh, so that's so upsetting. He opens the door, again, because he recognizes Cox, and the men rushed him with the gun, hogtied him, and gagged him. They then tied up Kiana and assaulted her multiple times, while they searched the house. When they didn't find the amount of money they believed was there, the $30,000 from before, or maybe some more as well, they tortured the couple until they got Kiana's debit card PIN number.
0: I don't care what they said in their statements. I think everything that they do in this is anticipating that they are going to kill Jan and Kiana.
1: I, I agree. As you said, they're not going to leave witnesses. Well, and Cox went to the door
0: as a Marine. Yeah. I also found somewhere that Emrys John posted on his MySpace chillin', waiting for Dekillin' under a photo before the couple were executed. What? And also wrote that shooting... S-H-I-T, and blowing things up was a great stress reliever.
1: The investigation showed that Miller had planned the whole crime, and Miller was the person to encourage John to, quote, end them, unquote. They also used couch cushions as silencers. As he said before, all of their actions make it seem like they were prepared to kill this couple. They had forethought. Yep. For sure. Premeditation, yes. To that point, all
0: four assailants were charged with first-degree murder, which indicates that there was some pre-thought, pre-planning, along with other charges. All pled not guilty. In March 2013, so this is about five years after the murders were committed. Mm -hmm. Three of the killers, Tyrone Miller, Emerus John, and Kevin Cox, went to trial on charges including robbery, sexual assault, and first-degree murder. All the defense attorneys argue that their client didn't play a major role and should be spared the death penalty. What is not a major role in this case? Kiana was sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. Kiana was
1: stomped on. They were tied up. They were gagged. You all came there together, disguised. They had a plan for if they couldn't sneak into the house, they were going to have somebody go up to the door. So they all played a a major role. That's all a major role in that way. Yeah.
0: After less than three days of deliberations, jurors agreed with us. Mm -hmm. They came back with the verdict, Guilty. The three former Marines were convicted on two counts each of first-degree murder, along with other charges. Miller and John received the death penalty, and Cox received life without the possibility of parole. I think the difference here is that Miller was the only one out of the three convicted of the sexual assault of Kiana, and John was known as the actual shooter. So I believe that's why the two of them got the death penalty while Cox received life without the possibility of parole. Close to a year and a half later, on August 5, 2014, Private Keyshawn Sykes was convicted on multiple charges including sexual assault, robbery, and two counts of first-degree murder. He also received the death penalty. While these men received the full punishment of the law, Jan's mother, Henrika, said the prison sentences are not harsh enough for the, and I quote, unrecyclable wastes of humanity who stole the lives of her children.
1: These parents of Jan and Kiana, along with their friends and everybody who had known them, they all said that this couple had huge hopes of a bright future And that they were so in love. Kiana had hopes of uh, being a doctor. She was actually accepted into medical school (laughs) before she was murdered. Uh, So a lot going for them. The couple had just gotten a dog and purchased a home. And they were anticipating having lots of children. They were married for only 67 days before they were horrifically murdered in a way that the judge Christian Fairback called the most inhumane murders he had seen in his 27 years on the bench. All around this crime is disturbing and just upsetting. While I was doing research for this I couldn't help but find so much about how loving this couple was and how they just supported each other and respected each other and were great friends and great children. And I, I wrote on our paper, now we cry and then we cry some more because it's just, it's such a waste. It's such a waste. Their families ended up burying Jan and Kiana together because Kiana's mother, Faye Jenkins, said, quote, they were going to be together on earth, so we wanted them to be together in heaven,
0: unquote. One of the beautiful <gasps> things I thought about the families of Jan and Kiana mm-hmm. was that they really embraced the trial that wasn't biologically theirs as someone who's part of their family. Mm-hmm. They refer to them as, you know, our children. Things of things of that nature where you just see that this was a tight-knit family. There was so much love there. Mm-hmm. And for that to be taken because of some money, because of someone was a little stricter than you would have
1: liked. There's no words. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, and this these two families really came together and they formed a tight-knit community, and they helped each other to heal and to grieve. Both Jan and Kiana's mothers, they visit the graves, and they either go together, or um, I believe it's Jan's mother lives out of state, so if she's not around and Kiana's mother goes to visit the grave, she'll call her while she's at the grave so they can experience it together. And with all of the violence within this case, it is nice to see that these families really kept the good memories alive about this couple. And really try to focus on all of the good ways that they lived their lives.
0: Right. They stuck together Mm -hmm. to really get justice.
1: As we like to focus on an organization or something important to do, like self-defense, for this case... I want to talk a little bit about, um, it's called Mission 22, and this is a nonprofit that works to combat the ever-rising veteran suicide rate, and you've people have probably seen on social media once a year, a lot of people like to do the uh, 22 push-up challenge, and that is to bring awareness to this organization. Mission 22 uh, says that every day more than 20 veterans lose their lives to suicide, and they work to bring that number down to zero. It does this with three main programs, veteran treatment programs, memorials, and then national awareness, such as the 22 push-up challenge. For more information, um, please go to Mission. The number 22.com. We will post this on the Facebook page, suspicion, And also, I will put it in the resources section of the website.
0: While Jan did not lose his life to suicide, we want to show support for veterans um, like Jan who served in Iraq and support them, their mental health, and support the brotherhood that he believed in.
1: Thank you for listening. Um, Remember to check out our Facebook page. We are working to get this podcast onto different media platforms, so it will be easier to listen to. Um, But check out the Facebook page. Also, our website is suspicion.com. And thanks for listening. Thank you.